I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 71 in which we shop online. I just realized my podcast is officially past retirement age now at episode 21. And I was also thinking the other day, I'm sorry, episode 71, I was also thinking that I'm actually approaching two years. It'll be March, but still, who'd have thunk it? Anyway, um, this episode, I am going to be uh, sharing with you all of the listener responses from Big Tent and Facebook when I was asked by a listener to address shopping for fabric online. And so we're going to talk about that in this episode. And I had a lot of fun reading everybody's responses. Rather than just going through and reading you everybody's responses, I've tried to organize it sort of into categories. So I won't actually be reading every single person's responses. I've kind of selected a few here and there that highlight or illustrate certain concepts. But, um, you know, certainly I do appreciate everybody that did respond, and I think I caught everybody's names towards the end. I'm also going to be recording this most likely in parts. Right now, I'm kind of waiting for my husband to get home from work, and he's been out of town for a few days. So whenever he does walk in the door, I will probably stop recording and then pick it up um, tomorrow. I actually have a day off tomorrow. I'm trying to use up some vacation days at the end of the year, because if you don't use them, they're gone. So uh, taking a Friday off to do a little bit of Christmas shopping and hopefully some sewing and, um, you know, probably also some cleaning and more mundane plebeian kinds of things like that. But in any case, I may finish this up tomorrow, but I did want to get it started tonight. Um, I do want to start out by saying that the anti-Black Friday sew-in day was so much fun. Um, I've already talked about that in an episode. I'm not going to spend more time on it, but I am really thinking about is sort of creating theme weeks <laughs> once in a while, just sort of inviting everybody in to do something for a little while and, and tweet back and forth and Facebook about our progress on it. I just had such a good time doing it. Um, and people have continued to mention how much fun it was, and those people who didn't know about it saying, hey, I wanted to play, and they want to do it next year. So I may do a little bit of something here and there just for fun. I'm still kind of pondering that, have some ideas, just haven't really had time to think it through yet. So do be kind of looking out for that, because I will most likely be, um, I don't know, starting that maybe in a couple of weeks. Um so we will uh, do the content for today's episode. I'm going to talk about shopping online, and then I will do listener response at the end. I've been getting a lot of comments, not just to this topic, but also just in general, and I want to thank everybody for that. And I'll, I'll um, talk about those at the end of the episode. So first, let's talk about why uh, shopping online for fabric versus shopping in person for fabric. Uh, the question was basically, do you shop online? Do you prefer to shop in person? Are there certain settings in which you do one or the other? And, you know, kind of what are some challenges you've run into and that kind of thing? And I did get a lot of responses, so I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to share everybody's wisdom with you. First of all, listeners shop online 
for a few reasons. They tended to fall into several categories. First of all, um, they shop online because they can't find what they need or want in their local quilt shop. In other words, they like types of fabric not carried in local quilt shops near them. Um, to this, Alamosa Quilter said, I shop online because my LQS doesn't carry much of the modern and bright fabrics I gravitate towards. Joyce said, I prefer to buy fabric I can see and touch, but I have bought from online sources when what I wanted was unavailable in my LQS. And Katie of Katie's Quilting Corner said, where I live, my LQSs don't always have pre-cuts, so I'm sort of forced to buy online because I love pre-cuts. <laughs> so um, again, you're looking for a particular fabric. You can't find it in your local quilt shop near you, so you go online to find it. Another reason listeners shop online is because they don't actually have a local quilt shop. You know, for me, I tend to forget this because where I live, it's almost like I can't spit without hitting a quilt shop. There are a lot, even though sadly the one closest to me did close a couple of months ago. Um, and I have a sneaking suspicion another one might have closed too. I was in that town uh, a few days ago and I didn't see the sign out front and it looked very dark and like there wasn't anything there anymore. So I need to follow up on that. Um, but there are still plenty of quilt shops near me, and whenever I've traveled, I haven't had a problem finding a quilt shop. But I know there are a lot of people who don't live anywhere near one, hours away from them. So those folks tend to be more um, frequently shopping online. Another reason listeners shop online is because they can shop anytime rather than having to get there when the store is open. And this is particularly for, you know, for example, working moms whose kids are involved in a ton of activities and they're just go, 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 go during normal working hours um, and just can't get there on weekends because of their kids' sports schedules, etc. So there are folks for whom getting to a store when it's actually open is tricky. Okay, just got a call from my husband. He's going to be home shortly, so I will do as much of the rest of this as I can. Um, okay, the next reason that listeners shop online is because sometimes they can find better prices online. Now, this one's a tricky one, and I'll talk a little bit more about this. There's pros and cons on both sides of this one. Um, there are some online stores that are strictly online stores. They are not a bricks and mortar store that also has an online presence. And so therefore those stores may have less of an overhead that bricks and mortar stores have. In other words, bricks and mortars have to pay rent. They have to pay utilities. They've got staff, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the less of those kinds of things you have, the better prices you can offer on your fabric. But please hear me when I say I'm about to address this in the next section anyway. Um, as to the other side of that issue. Listeners also shop online because they can find more unusual fabrics. And Holly Yu said she buys online to get great deals on organic fabrics. And it is true, again, unusual fabrics that maybe not as many people are looking for your traditional bricks and mortar store may not be able to carry because they really have to carry stuff that's going to attract a fair number of people to it. Um, so some of those more unusual fabrics, some of the specialty hand-dyed, for example, maybe ethnic fabrics or fabrics from other cultures, um, organic fabrics, as was mentioned, those tend to be somewhat easier to find online. So those are kind of the main categories why people shop online. Why people shop in person, again, a few reasons here. They can handle the fabric to better judge quality. You know, you, you I often joke about petting fabric. Um, Certainly, when you go in a quilt store, do you ever just look at the fabric? No, your hands are all over it because you really want to judge the quality. You need to feel how that fabric feels. You need to see how it's going to drape and hang. Um, that's something you really can't do online. 
Listeners also shop in person because they can match colors more accurately than using a computer monitor. As you know, your computer monitor, um, I actually have two computer monitors going at the same time, and um, one is my laptop on a docking station, and then I have a separate monitor so I can move windows back and forth between the two. And when I'm working with pictures, there's a difference. When I move the picture from one monitor to the other, the color shifts just a little bit. And so if you're trying to match colors, if you're trying to coordinate fact, uh, fabrics, that can sometimes be very difficult using a computer monitor. It's easier to do it in person. Another reason listeners shop in person is they can run out, get something, and come home to work on it again, rather than having to wait for it to get to them. In other words, waiting for shipping. Uh, So if you're in the middle of a project on a Saturday afternoon and you're suddenly out of something or you decide, oh, I've really got to look for a different fabric here, you can just zip out to your LQS. You can um, potentially find what you're looking for, get home, and keep going on your project rather than ordering ordering online when you're going to have to wait, you know, at least a couple of days probably for it to get to you. And um, another reason, the final reason listeners shop in person is because they can buy local and support local businesses. Um, Supporting this one, Noni said, I am lucky I have over 10 shops within an hour's drive and another 8 to 10 shops just a little further right near family. So I managed to spend more money than I should for the price of gas and visits to relatives. Um, We do like to support local businesses. You know, I did my best to keep my own LQS in business. Unfortunately, you know, that just... The, the nature of the retail world, it is hard to stay open, especially in this economy. Um, so you do want to try to support those local businesses as much as possible. That being said, a lot of online shopping is actually local. And you'll hear some comments about that later when we get into the actual stores people shop at. Now, so what are the challenges to shopping in stores and shopping online? Um, the main challenge to shopping in bricks and mortar <laughs> stores, in real live stores, is, you know, first of all, having to get dressed and leave the house. <laughs> and uh, Valerie said she does a lot of her shopping online because it's delivered right to her door. And I know certainly I do, you know, a lot of my shopping is either early in the morning or late at night um, when, you know, I may be in my jammies and I can't exactly go to my local bricks and mortar in my jammies. So <laughs> there is something to be said about that. Um the, another challenge to shopping in bricks and mortars is, is like I've said before, getting there when they're open. Um, I've been in some quilt shops that just had really weird hours. It was almost like they didn't want people to be able to get to them. <laughs> and I know there's issues with every minute you're open, you're paying salaries and all that kind of thing. Um, but there are some shops that are just difficult to get to if you're a working person, um, if you've got kids that are involved in sports and all of that kind of thing. And so that's one of the challenges of shopping in a bricks and mortar store. Another challenge to shopping in a bricks and mortar store is limited selections. You know, I again, around me, I've got a, a fair number of quilt shops within a fairly easy drive, and each one of them has a different personality. So I have certain shops I go to for particular types of fabric, knowing, you know, what personality each shop has. If I'm looking for a particular type, I'll think through and say, oh, okay, well, this quilt shop typically tends to carry that style of fabric, so I'll go to that one. But if you only have one shop near you, and it has a different personality than yours, or if it doesn't carry the types of fabrics that you tend to to want to use, you are going to have to find other ways to get fabric. That's just the reality. No one store can carry everything. So they are going to have to kind of find their niche. And if the niche that they have found that works for them isn't your niche, then you are going to have to find somewhere else to get your fabric. 
Um, another challenge to shopping in a bricks and mortar store is that it can be sometimes a little more expensive because you're also paying salaries, you're paying the rent, and you're paying, paying the utilities every time you buy some of that fabric. However, and hear me when I say this, first of all, when you shop online, a lot of times you have shipping unless you catch a you know free shipping sale. So sometimes the cost of shipping can offset what you'd be paying if you were shopping local. Um, but I think even more importantly than that, when you go to a, a local quilt shop, you have people there who can actually help you. And having those people to help you in person can often be invaluable. Sometimes if you are just absolutely stuck looking for a color, um, trying to figure out how to do a particular technique, the people in the quilt shop are more than happy to help you, and they are wonderful resources. So even though that fabric may be a hair more expensive than what you can get online, what you are paying for is help. You are paying for human resources. You are paying for the expertise that's that's evident in that store. Now, that being said, some stores are better than others at that. I have heard horror stories of people who have gone into stores and have been completely turned off by unfriendly staff. I have fortunately never had that happen. Um, I've only ever had wonderful experiences at quilt shops, so I can't speak to that. Um, hopefully that the quilt shops near you are nice. I hope that for you. Um, Okay, main challenges to shopping online, you know, some of these are probably going to be pretty obvious. The colors on your computer monitors aren't always true. Uh, like I said, I've got two monitors, two different colors. I will, well, not two different colors, but I will see, you know, on one monitor, it's going to look a little bit warmer. On the other monitor, it's going to look, look a little bit cooler. And I just have to be aware of that. Um, now, there are, in this category, what I've done is is people had responses to that challenge, ways they deal with that. So um, K-T-H-Y-N-N, Katie Hinn, maybe that's what that means, said, it's hard to know if the purple you need for the binding will really blend well with your border. When possible, that type of shopping is best done in the quilt shop. But if I can't get there for a while, I've been known to order half yards of the most likely candidates to see if they will work or buy sale fabrics. It's not the cheapest or fastest way to find fabrics to finish a project. <laughs> so, you know, basically what she does is yeah, she buys a bunch to see what's going to work. And, and that's fine. I've done that sometimes as well. If the stuff I'm buying, I think, well, this will make a decent stash fabric if it doesn't work. Um, so there's kind of ways to get around that. Amy Pink says, I only purchase pre-cuts or fat quarter sets online. This way I know they will all coordinate. When I purchase off the bolt and are mixing different lines of fabric, I want to see them in person and try out different fabrics together to see how well they go together. Um, so in Amy Pink's, in her method is just to, she only, there's only certain things she will purchase online because they are pre-coordinated. So it doesn't matter whether your color monitor is, um, whether the color on your computer monitor is true or not. Um, another challenge to shopping online is a lot of the websites have very, very small swatch pictures for their fabric. And I have been on several that do this, where you're looking at this little tiny one inch, maybe um, square and trying to figure out what the fabric actually looks like, you know, what scale is that print actually? And it, can I really know that I'm seeing the true color again with the color monitor issues? But when something's that small, again, it may shift your impression of the color as well. Um, Valerie says, I've bought from a couple of places, but I don't like the sites that do one tiny swatch and no description. It's very hard to judge the scale or colors. And I very much agree with that. So anybody who's thinking about starting an online fabric shop, take heed. <laughs> Make sure your swatches are quite big. Um, 
it is possible to have bad experiences. This is another challenge to shopping online. It is, you know, you can also have bad experiences shopping in a brick and mortar. Um, but online is a little bit more difficult because you can have more problems tracking down the complaints department. You have to ship stuff back. You're relying on email. A lot of times it's hard to find a phone number on the site. It's it's just that much more difficult than if you have a bad experience in a bricks and mortar where you know where the store is. You can go to the store. You can talk to a human, pe- uh, human being and deal with it. Uh, what Wishful Thinking says, I've never had a bad online shopping experience. Sometimes the fabrics aren't exactly what I expected, but that's the risk you take ordering online. Colors aren't always true, etc. It was never the fault of the seller. Um, I agree with wishful thinking. I've actually never had a bad online shopping experience either. Um, Now, that being said, I've not bought fabric in some of the riskier places, and we'll talk about that a little bit in a little bit about some of those issues. Um, it is another challenge. Uh, <laughs> there were people who said it's easier to overbuy when you're shopping online. Uh, Katie Hinn, again, said it's so easy to add to your cart. In a bricks and mortar store, those bolts you're carrying around get heavy, or if you're piling them on a cutting table, the height of that stack may make you realize that you might ought to put a few bolts back. Those physical cues are missing with online shopping, so you can get quite a jolt when that large package shows up on your doorstep. Um now, my response is that I, whenever I'm shopping online, I dump a whole bunch of stuff in my shopping cart. Whatever catches my eye and I think, oh, yeah, I might use that, I put it in my shopping cart. And then I go and I edit my shopping cart you know, when I'm able to see the total. I actually find it a little bit easier um, not to overbuy when I'm shopping online. Uh, because, And sometimes you can even leave things in a shopping cart for a while. Uh, especially like if you're registered on the site, you can generally get away with doing that. And then you can wait a few days before finishing the purchase. So you can maybe even check around, see if you get a better price, that kind of thing. Um, now, Soniki, <laughs> T-S-O-N-I-K-I, Soniki, uh, said she had a bad experience with the place for that reason. She had left some things in her cart and then had stepped away and had decided she was going to wait and think about it for a few days. And The owner of the store emailed her and said, I realize you didn't finish checking out. Your total is this much. Pay this way. Um, So Nikki said that really turned her off and she hasn't shopped there again. She would rather be able to just, you know, put stuff in her cart. She kind of felt like that was a little bit pushy. Um, I have gotten notices that I have things in my cart. I usually either just ignore them or, you know, maybe I have actually forgotten. Oh, you're right. I did have something in there. Um, But usually it eventually just sort of goes away if you ignore those emails. Now, there was a reverse response. Holly Yu said, it's easier to remove something from my virtual cart when I already see the total than it is to put down a lovely bolt of fabric. <laughs> I think that's true. Um, you know, when you've actually got it in your hands and you're feeling it and you're smelling it and you've got that whole thing, it is so hard to put that bolt back. Whereas when it's just sitting in your on your computer monitor, it's sort of a play thing. You know, okay, it's, it's knocked out of your cart. Um, and Valerie said, it's easy to drop everything you like into the cart, then weed it out until you're down to a sane amount. Um, another challenge to shopping online is that you can't judge the quality of fabric without touching it. And Amy Pink, her response to this is she says she only buys brand name online to ensure quality, um, which is true. If you you know buy Moda, you're probably not going to get a whole wide variety of uh, quality results. Moda is Moda is Moda. You know, that's the true with any of those brand names. If it's a if it's a, design, a name of a fabric line you've never heard of before, I probably wouldn't want to buy it online. I'd need to be able to touch it first. Um, Noni says that she needs to see and touch the fabric before she buys. Uh, 
Tina said, I tend to stick with places I know and name brands I have experience with when buying online. This is not when she gets um, experimental. And the final uh, challenge to ordering online is that you have to wait for the shipment. Um, again, we talked earlier about just being able to grab something you need and work on that day. Um, instead, when you order online, you've got to wait for it to get to you. Um, but on the other hand, Holly GW said, when a box appears on my doorstep, it's like Christmas all year round. And so I, I appreciated that image as well. I had my own little mini Christmas today when I got um, a, a little package of fabric I had ordered in some of the Black Friday sales. So yes, I agree. It's always fun to open up that package and be able to actually touch and feel what you just ordered. Um, so those are the listener responses to the pros and cons of shopping in bricks and mortars versus online. I will say there are always threads on quilty sites on these topics, you know, places like um, Seamed Up, like Stitch Talk, like Tom Spoolery. You're going to find people talking about shopping online. Um, and I, you can certainly look at those places. I chose not to reference those in this. I really wanted this to be listener feedback. So um, I'm only using what listeners told me themselves in their own responses. But again, do find, you know, if you just Google, why should I shop for fabric online? <laughs> you will probably get a lot of responses. And mostly you will get great places to get new ideas for sites to check out. And so that's what we're going to move to now. Now, let me give you um, all of the places that people said they do shop online. And some of these were familiar to me, and I've shopped at them myself, and some were unfamiliar to me. So I enjoyed this, and I've been checking out a few new sites and even doing a little bit of buying. Uh, Fabric.com. Three folks mentioned Fabric.com as being one of their favorite places. Um, Katie of Katie's Quilting Corner specifically said, I think I love getting remnant assortments the most. I can get three pounds of fabric from Fabric.com and I get really quality stuff that is usable. So you might want to check out Fabric.com. Um, and I'll put links to all these places on the show notes. Uh, Connecting Threads had uh, four people mention that, and that's a place I often go to. Um, they have their own fabric designs for a lower cost. Uh, Katie Hinn said batiks are especially nice. I have not actually bought any fabric, although I do have um, some kits that I inherited from my mother that was uh, from Connecting Threads with their fabric. Um, I didn't see any particular issues with their fabric, so I, I think that would be um, something to check out. They also have their own thread. I have never used their thread, so I can't speak to that at all. If anybody wants to leave a comment on the show notes of this episode about connecting threads, fabrics, or threads, um, your your own review of those, that would be great. Um, and also connecting threads, what I know mostly goes, they have great sales on books. Their books are often 40% off, so that's what I tend to look for when I go to connecting threads. Um, another folks mentioned Whittles, W-H-I-T-T-L-E-S. I have never shopped there. A couple of people mentioned Quilt Fabric Closeouts, and I've never gone there, and I'm going to have to check that out. That's Quilt Fabric Closeouts. Three people mentioned eBay, and eBay can be risky. So here, um, Tina said, when I eBay for vintage or hard to find, it can be a gamble, but I've only had a few disappointments. Katie of Katie's Quilting Corner says, I've also purchased from eBay, which is sort of hit or miss, so I have to be careful. Um, I heard recently somewhere, whether it was another podcaster, I'm sorry, I don't remember now where I heard this, um, but somebody had just gotten some fabric from eBay and the fabric had kind of a musty odor to it and she had to do a lot to um, clean it and air it out. So you just need to be aware that eBay can be a risk. Now, 
since I uh, first started putting this episode together, I have just made my first eBay fabric purchase. I haven't received it yet, so I can't speak to it. But I did make sure um, that the fabric I was buying was from a seller that had, you know, a, a gazillion reviews and seemed to have been in business a long time. Um, and all the good, you know, the reviews were all good. So I kind of did my homework in that respect. Um and it's not a lot. I was looking for, I think it was the Scrabble fabric that had been out a little while ago. Um, I have this sort of whim that I might make uh, the other staff in our office little mug rugs for Christmas. But, you know, we're getting down to the wire. <laughs> I'm not sure I'll actually pull it off. But my supervisor is a huge into online Scrabble. And so I thought, well, I'll get some of that Scrabble fabric and I'll make her a little mug rug using it. And I couldn't find it online anywhere, so I ended up ordering it from eBay. So I'll let you know how it goes. Um, okay, Hancock's of Paducah, one of my favorite places. And note, this is different from Hancock Fabrics. Hancock Fabrics is, um, I don't have any around here, but from what I understand, it's a bricks and mortar uh, that is sort of like a department fabric store. It has a lot of different kinds of fabrics and garment fabrics and, and uh, upholstery fabrics and all that kind of stuff. Hancock's of Paducah is specifically quilt fabric and just gorgeous. Their catalog is beautiful. I always get very excited when I get it. Um, they're not cheap, but they have a huge selection and it is just gorgeous, high quality fabric. So Hancock's of Paducah is one of my favorite. E-quilter, four folks mentioned e-quilter. Um, and a unique item about e-quilter is a percentage goes to charity. I also tend to, if I need a novelty fabric, I tend to look at e-quilter. They have a lot of the novelty fabrics. Um, Katie Hinn said the e-quilter staff called me once to check if I still wanted some yardage because they didn't have the full amount I'd ordered. Um, they have, which points to they have excellent customer service. And Valerie said, I use e-quilter almost always, huge selections huge selection, large swatches, and descriptions that include the size of motifs and name all the colors. They also have a nice design wall to try things on and thumbnails on the order form. So um, design walls are nice on a lot of, not a lot, but some um, websites, I think Connecting Threads has one, Keepsake Quilting, which I'm going to mention in a minute, has one. Uh, they have design walls, so you can actually kind of put fabric together side by side and look at it all next to each other, and that's a nice feature. Um, Keepsake Quilting, as I just said, a couple of people mentioned that, and I shop from Keepsake Quilting all the time. I love it. Two people also mentioned Missouri Star. Katie of Katie Quilting Corner points out that they have really good sales on pre-cuts, and she convinced me. Um, I went online to check out Missouri Star. I'd heard a lot of people mentioning it. I'd never looked at it myself, and now I have made a purchase. So, <laughs> so I am now a convert to Missouri Star. Etsy. Some folks have bought fabric on Etsy. Uh, Pink Chalk Fabrics was mentioned. Um, so Niki said, I like buying from Pink Chalk Fabrics because they are close to me and they have really great customer service. I can make a purchase on Monday and typically get the package no later than Thursday, sometimes even Wednesday. They have a monthly solids club so I can get a handful or more of new colors of fabric and know these will regularly show up at my house. I'd never heard of Pink Chalk Fabrics. I'll have to check that out. CV Quilt Works. Um, Darla of Scientific Quilter says the boutiques are usually good, has good sales from time to time, and she is, of course, a fellow podcaster. Um, that's Jackie of CV Quilt Works, so definitely check that out. Two people mentioned Erica's. Um, 
And rocking chair quilts was mentioned. So Excited Quilts said it's a local quilt shop, a small shop in a small town, and they have been wonderful to work with. When I can, I order from them because I want to support them to stay in business. So again, this is a bricks and mortar store that does also have an online presence. And so you're supporting a bricks and mortar through ordering online in that instance, which is nice. Um, Jay mentioned quiltshops.com, which is a fabric search engine, and I've used them before. Um, it searches a variety of different stores in one interface and shows thumbnails of the fabric. Jay says, I like it because I can compare prices. You have to check out on each different shop from which you are buying, but it's a great resource. Um, so again, check out quiltshops.com. If you're looking for a particular fabric, you type it into quiltshops.com and it'll show you who all is carrying it. Um, Jay also mentioned fabricwork.com, which has great bundles, and webfabrics.net, um, whose fabric arrives very quickly. Um, Ginger's was mentioned by Patch Pastor. She said they have their notions better organized than other sites, so I often buy things like pins and rotary cutter blades from them. Um, Patch Pastor also mentioned stitchandframe.com, and that's stitch-n-frame.com. And she said they have a bricks and mortar store, but if it weren't for her internet sales, Kay would have probably shut her doors years ago. Instead, she has grown her business and created a lovely place to shop either online or in person. She does Thursday specials, which have good discounts on selected products, so it's worth checking her site on a regular basis. And also mentioned were Hawthorne Threads and Intrepid Threads. So again, I will list all those on the show notes of this episode. Um, you will also, you might remember if you've been on my site before, I have a tab for quilt shops. And um, although a lot of them are bricks and mortar, you can also list online shops. So you can click on that tab and see a bunch of other suggestions and leave comments with your own suggestions as well. So um, that is all about shopping online versus in person. And I want to say thank you to Wishful Thanking, Katie Hinn, Amy Pink, Tsoniki, Darla of Scientific Quilter, So Excited Quilts, Jay Patched Pastor, Noni, Mama Mouse, Alamosa Quilter, Joyce, Tina, Holly, Valerie, the other Holly, and Katie of Katie's Quilting Corner. Um, I hope that was everybody for uh, putting in your two cents on the topic. I enjoyed reading all of your responses. And like I said, you uh, showed me a few new sites, too, that, and you have now succeeded in spending my money for me. Aren't we good at that for each other? All right. Well, I believe my husband is home now, so I'm going to stop at this point, And then I will record the rest um, probably tomorrow morning. So um, you're not going to get this in time for me to say, hope you have a nice evening, but hope you have a nice evening anyway. And I will talk to you again later. Okay, it is the next morning now. I'm back to being home alone in the house. Um, I've actually got today off, which is very exciting. Uh, I'm going to officially start my Christmas shopping today, um, which will be fun. And it it did me the honor of actually snowing a little bit this morning, too, so that we can uh, get in the mood. I have problems Christmas shopping when it's 57 degrees out, which <laughs> it's been all week. Fortunately for me and my Christmas spirit, this morning has dropped in temperature We've gotten a little bit of flurry snow here and there, nothing that's going to hang out and actually accumulate, but it's just enough to make me feel like, yes, indeed, it's actually winter and time for Christmas. Um, so this morning, all I'm going to be recording is listener comments. And because it's been a couple of weeks, I think maybe two or three since I've done listener comments, and I've had a ton going on with podcast episodes and blog entries and all sorts of stuff, I've gotten 
just a ton of comments. And so that means, unfortunately, I won't be reading all of your names or we would be here, you know, for a long time. And I just want to know, want to let you know that even though I'm not uh, sharing your names this time, I do really appreciate each and every one. I always love reading your comments. A lot of you have really made me laugh um, over the last few weeks. So it's been a lot of fun hearing from you and, and do keep it up, even though I'm not actually referring to you by name. There are a small number that I do want to respond to specifically. Um, Jackie also responded to my reminder. You might remember me talking about a previous on a previous episode that I had sent out a reminder to everybody who had joined in the 2011 quilting resolution um, a challenge last year, and I had the spreadsheet and everything. I had already heard back from Jill. Well, Jackie also responded, and she said um, she is in agreement with Jill, and presumably that means she's not doing as well as she'd hoped, but better than she thought. Jackie said, especially when I listed all the extra projects that found their way into my life. Um, and we all know how that happens. We have this list of projects we absolutely are going to get through, but then, oh, gee, this other thing comes up. And then, oh, boy, this other one comes up. And some of those are um, time-constrained you know, obligations. Suddenly we find out somebody's having a baby or we need a gift for a teacher or something like that. But also, face it, guys, we are like crows with shiny objects. <laughs> We can be working on five different projects and all of a sudden the next one come and catches our eyes and distracts us. But anyway, Jackie had a, a really impressive finish. Actually, she may not feel like it's impressive. Out of 54 total projects in 2011, she had 35 completed. So, you know, for me, Jackie, I think that's pretty darn good. So don't be beaten up on yourself. You did good. And uh, she did list out her plans for the remainder that she still needs to finish, including a couple that she is specifically chosen not to finish. And you've heard me say before in the past, if something is just not grabbing you anymore, don't be obligated. There are plenty of places that are more than happy to take UFOs and finish them for you. I've seen them on, on Etsy. I've seen them on eBay. Um, I've seen them. I think I, I shared with you a website in two episodes ago, I think, and now I don't remember what it was called, but one that was sort of like an online garage sale uh, for quilts and crafty things. So there are places to send off your UFOs that are no longer flipping your switch. They may find a home with somebody else that absolutely falls in love with them. So don't feel guilty about that. Don't feel obligated. Find them a good home. So that's my word of wisdom. Thank you, Jackie, for um, sending me that email. Shelley had sent in her photos for the last quarter of the Stash Mystery Challenge, which I think I've mentioned before. They are in the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group for the challenge. Um, but when she sent me the photos, I had asked her the pattern, and she did now send me that pattern information. And the pattern name is, I believe, my pumpkin patch quilt. And it's she says it's by OTL. And the pattern is available on their website at www.otldesigns.com and at quiltwoman.com. Now, again, I will try my best to remember to put that link on the show notes of the episode. Can't guarantee I will because I have a boatload of links to share with you this time because of all those stores that you all recommended. Um, so if, Shelly, if I forget, um, you know, feel free to leave a comment on the show notes of the episode and, and post the link there. Lori is one of several who had asked me about the last couple of episodes and problems in iTunes. And I've referenced this before, and I had gotten a few of you had commented that you had problems with the last episode. I trust that you've now been able to work that out because I had already mentioned, you know, what happened with that. 
I do want to say, however, that I've had issues myself with iTunes subscriptions, podcast subscriptions that are not always updating. It's happening on my um, podcast. I was also having the same problem with some other podcasts. Usually, if you have problems with a podcast not um, updating when it should, if you unsubscribe and resubscribe to the podcast, a lot of times that'll fix the glitch. It gets over itself and moves on. Um, and what I'm talking about here, the problem was not that the episode wasn't showing up in iTunes Store. The problem is that when you use the iTunes software on your local computer to um, update, you know, so it downloads all of those subscriptions automatically to your software, that's where the glitch was happening. It was not automatically updating. Um, and for me, when I traced it back, I realized it happened, it started happening at about the same time that there was a recent iTunes software update. So I finally, this morning, I just went in, I uninstalled iTunes and I reinstalled the software and suddenly things are downloading again. I think that may have fixed the problem. I'm going to keep an eye on it. I had contacted iTunes. You get their standard response, which was not the problem. <laughs> you know, they always give you, here's, it's sort of like, no, the CD holder is not a cup holder. They automatically assume, okay, here's what the problem is. No, that's not what the problem is. My feed is fine. I have checked it multiple times with feedvalidator.org. Like I said, the, the podcasts are showing up in the iTunes store. They are just not automatically down downloading to the software. And so what I want to say to you is if you are having that problem, you may want to just try to uninstall iTunes and reinstall the entire software. Um, you will not lose any files and all of your subscriptions remain. When I reinstalled iTunes, there were all of my podcast subscriptions and the most recent episodes automatically started downloading. It was not an issue. Um, all of my files were there, all my music files. You may lose some playlists here and there, but you know, those aren't that hard to reset up. So like I said, I'm still looking into this. I'm still keeping an eye on it. But if you're having that same problem, um, you may want to try doing it. Just uninstall iTunes, reinstall the software and see if that fixes it. Um, sometimes those updates, usually they are made to fix problems, but sometimes they cause little glitches. Um, I'm still fighting with another update software <laughs> that happened that caused some problems that weren't there before. So, you know, it happens sometimes. It's it's just, you figure these softwares have so many freaking lines of code that sometimes one of those lines of code is going to um, get in a little bit of a squabble with some other line of code somewhere else on your computer and something is going to happen. And that's why it's not universal, too. So anyway, that's my iTunes educational moment. Um, this morning, another comment I wanted to respond to, I had just posted on my blog this morning about my good wedding china and my experience with that recently. And I immediately got a comment from Diane with one N, which I say that because my sister is also named Diane with two Ns. Um, Diane with one N said, I have the same China pattern and our 25th anniversary is, wait for it, in 2012. We both have great taste. Um, so apparently that was the pattern of the year. In my blog entry, I noted that in 2012, we will be on 25 years. Um, and Diane, just a comment, you can get additional pieces for our China pattern on replacements.com and eBay. And now that I do have my full set, I won't be fighting you for them. Although I do occasionally go in and pick up a serving piece here and there, but I'm not, I'm not big on, I don't need the whole, every last piece to match. I don't mind having um, serving pieces, you know, that have a variety of looks and styles to them. I just wanted my actual plates and cups to match. So that's why I got that full set. Um, 
Gretchen left a new response to the You Know You're a Quilter When page. She says, You know you're a quilter when you go to old churches in Europe and marvel at how the windows, usually stained glass, would translate into quilts, especially if you used batiks. And certainly, Gretchen, that is absolutely true. I was just doing that a few weeks ago when I was at my daughter's campus, and they have, you know, the old stone chapel with the beautiful stained glass windows, and I had those same thoughts going through my head. Thank you, Gretchen. Um, and again, for everybody else, you can also leave your responses to You Know You're a Quilter When if you just go to the show notes for this episode, uh, for the show notes for the podcast as a whole. And across the top, you'll see several tabs for different pages. One of those pages is You Know Your Quilter When. Oh, sidebar. Another one of those pages is um, Do Good, I believe is what I called it. And it's a list of places where if you shop for quilty related type things, for example, fabrics and embellishments, you are supporting um, some microenterprise projects. So check out the Do Good page as you're doing your Christmas shopping as well. Okay, on to more listener comments. Holly W. left a new store on the store list. Also, another one of those tabs across the page on my website. Um, She recommends Quilter's Cupboard in Ankeny, Ankeny, A-N-K-E-N-Y, Iowa. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing the the town. Holly says, it's a sweet shop located in a cottage-style house. They have everything you need. They are small but have lots of fabric to choose from. And she also left the link to the store in her comment. So if you go to... um, quiltingfortherestofus.com and click on the page that says shops, I think at the top, you will see, read down below my list, you'll see all the listener comments and their own recommendations and hers will be in that list of comments. Laura responded to episode 69 in which we host ABFSI by saying she participated but didn't know she was doing it until listening to my podcast. She also spent ABFSI working on her Orca Bay quilt. And she said, yes, there are thousands of pieces, but I like to use little pieces instead of throwing them out. And I have been reading um, tweets this morning from folks who are doing the Orca Bay quilt, and they are just starting on this week's, um, this week, this month. I don't know how long you get in between uh, mystery uh, clues or whatever they're called. Um, And it sounds like this one also has hundreds of little pieces in them, but these folks seem to be enjoying themselves, so more more power to them. Sherry responded to episode 67, in which we review more books by first apologizing for not commenting more often. Your apology is accepted. Just don't let it happen again. Uh, She has put the Threads book on her Christmas list. Here, here, that's a good choice. I was just looking at that book again a couple days ago. Noni also bought a couple of books that I listed in um, the Review More Books episode, or it may have been the Christmas gift list. I lost track of which one. I've been talking about books a lot lately. Um, but anyway, it's only fair that I spent Noni's money because she is trying very hard to spend my money with all of the books reviews she's been going on too. Um, we have a lot of the same books, but remarkably, she has some that I don't have. So <laughs> I've been reading those. Thank you, Noni, for your own reviews. And yes, you will be spending my money too. Kelly the Fifth, who I believe went through life for many years simply as Kelly V until Francis gave her the much more regal title. I think that's where it started. Uh, Kelly V commented on episode 66, in which we go on retreat. She has been to Asilomar, which is the Empty Spools retreat, and I would absolutely love to go to that. Kelly, sometime you're going to have to tell us more about that one. Um, but she has commented that she's also seen the So Easy table there and is now very tempted. 
I am going to push you over the edge. You need the So Easy table. It's a great table. Um, also on episode 68, Kelly mentioned that the Hunger Games was a topic of discussion over the Thanksgiving table by the extended family. Um, she had avoided reading them at first because her daughter had said they were dark and serious. And to that, I just respond, yeah, a little bit. There's a little more meat to them, but no more so certainly than the last few Harry Potter novels. So if you've read those, then, you know, they're, they're not going to be any more dark and serious than that. Um, they are good. They really are. Uh, Marimo posted a blog entry several days ago. I don't remember when it was with some thread catchers that she had made as gifts and they were absolutely gorgeous. They were the nicest freaking thread catchers I think I've ever seen in my comment on her blog entry. I think I referred to them as sophisticated. Um, again, I'm, I'll try to remember to post a link to that, her blog entry in my show notes, but I, can't guarantee I will. So if I don't, Marimo, please feel free to post the blog link in a comment because I do think people need to see those. They were really, really pretty. And I just want to give a shout out to Cindy of Fluffy Sheep Quilting, whose little kitten returned again. He had disappeared for a few days. He was um, admittedly probably spooked by all those packing boxes in her house. I'm very, very glad he's home. Having been through that, I know what that feels like, and I'm glad you've been reunited and best wishes on your move. Um, okay, I've got some random information that I've been collecting over the last couple of weeks, too, that I just want to share with you quickly. Check out www.craftsy.com. That's C-R-A-F-T-S-Y, craftsy.com. There, it's another site for workshops and online pro- classes and projects. Um, they include quilting, knitting, crocheting, jewelry, sewing, paper crafts, cake decorating, probably more. Those were all the things I saw on their list. So that's craftsy.com. Just want to... Um, point that out to you and have you check it out, see if there's anything there you would like to have. And finally, Carolyn um, from Henfield, England. She was the one that had sent me the stock recipe that I tried over the weekend um, that I used for my turkey stock, which worked beautifully. I had to adapt it a little bit based on what I actually had in my house because God bless me, I was not going to leave my house on Friday and hit any store anywhere, even a grocery store. Um, so I adapted a little bit, but it still worked wonderfully. So thank you very much for that, Carolyn. And Carolyn, in our emails back and forth about that, she said she has 26 jelly rolls, and she wants to know if that's a record. Can anybody else come close to that or exceed it? So leave comments to the show notes and let us know how many jelly rolls are lurking on your shelves. And we will either make Carolyn feel really, really bad or a lot better. <laughs> Either way. Um, so that's it for this episode. As always, you can join us on Facebook at the Quilting for the Rest of Us page. You can follow me on Twitter. You can email me. Um, you can follow the blog. We've got two groups in Flickr. You can follow me on Pinterest, Goodreads, sim- Seamed Up to uh, Stitch Talk and Tom Spoolery, although admittedly less... Um, well, Goodreads I'm on a fair amount. The other ones I'm only on periodically. Uh, Google Plus I'm almost never on. I do have the newsletter you can subscribe to, and we do have the Kiva team. All of those links are at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. Talk to me. I'd love to hear from you. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.